Good evening, everybody. This is Matt from Don't Unfriend Me. Friday, April 30th, last day of the month. May 1st is tomorrow, 6.03 p.m. We've got hockey and baseball tonight, which I am excited about. We have a good show. It's going to be a fun show. I want to talk to you about the dum-dums. I haven't done this in a while, but with this post that is absolutely just blowing up, almost at 2 million impressions now, a lot of the idiots are coming out of the woodwork, and I don't want you to mistake the dummies for the dum-dums. Dummies are all of the Don't Unfriend Me listeners, and nothing wrong with being a dummy. But being a dum-dum, it's about as bad as you can get. It means that you're not worth much, at least in my eyes, and obviously a lot of the community feels the same way. There are anti-American sentiments all over this post, and I just love eating people up. And I don't even say anything except just ask a question. And I'll show you a few of those tonight. And then I may say one or two things, of course, because I can't help myself. But I find when you ask questions, people tend to disappear. And you don't insult. You just simply say, interesting. Tell me why you think that. Or do you have a fact that you can back that up? And they disappear like roaches when the lights come on. So it's an interesting thing. We're going to talk about the British. Yes, the British. The English, the Brits, the Redcoats or Limeys, whatever the hell they're called. The blokes. I think that's Australian. Everyone here might know and might have seen that there has been just a little bit of anti-English sentiment from me. And I want to be clear. I I don't have a problem with any race, color, creed, sexual disposition. I don't care what it's about. I, I really don't care what you believe or who you are. But I do have an affinity for talking trash about the English from time to time. And a few listeners pointed it out, and so does my wife. So we're going to talk about it tonight. I'm going to tell you why I'm not a big fan of the English. And it's all in good fun. Don't even start with me being a nationalist and all this other crap. I just have spent time in England, and I'm not a big fan. We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about Afghanistan. Now what? Now what do we do? We're going to pull out. And that's usually the best method, folks. But uh, we'll see what happens. Let's see what type of baby we get. What are we going to give birth to? Is it going to be more terrorism and attacks on U.S. soil? Or will the EAP and the forces that are there actually stand up and defend themselves? We'll find out. So who knows? But we're going to start off with a joke tonight. Then I'll tell you who we are, what we do, and all that stuff. And we'll get into it. We'll listen to a little intro, and we'll get started on the show. Let's face it. English is a stupid language. There is no egg in eggplant. There is no ham in hamburger. And neither pine nor apple in pineapple. English muffins were not invented in England. French fries were not invented in France. We sometimes take English for granted. But if we examine its paradoxes, we find that quicksand takes you down slowly. Boxing rings are square. And a guinea pig is neither from Guinea nor is it a pig. If writers write, how come fingers don't fing? If the plural of tooth is teeth, shouldn't the plural of phone booth be phone beef? If the teacher taught, why didn't the preacher prot? If a vegetarian eats vegetables, what the heck does a humanitarian eat? Why do people recite at a play, yet play at a recital? Park on driveways and drive on parkways. How can the weather be as hot as hell one day? And as cold as hell on another. You have to marvel at the unique lunacy of a language where a house can burn up 
as it burns down and in which you fill in a form by filling it out. And a bell is only heard once it goes. English was invented by people, not computers, and it reflects the creativity of the human race, which of course isn't a race at all. That is why when the stars are out, they are visible, but when the lights are out, they are visible. And why is it that when I wind up my watch, it starts, but when I wind up this poem, it ends? Recorded from an undisclosed location. Always honest. Always direct. So sit back. Relax. Don't unfriend me starts right now. Well, hell, I think I screwed up the invisible, invisible part. I'm sure my wife right now is telling me, honey, rewind that. I think you said it wrong. What do you want me to do now? It's already recorded. I'm not going back. You get it. You get the point. It's funny. Hey, folks, my name's Matt. I'm with Don't Unfriend Me. It's wonderful to see you. I've got my cancel culture shirt on tonight. I'm wearing red. Red for Red Friday. Remember, everyone deployed. This is for veterans. You should always wear red on Friday. Let's veterans knows you're think- lets them know you're thinking about them. And it's an important thing. Gosh, dumb it. Don't unfriend me. You can find me here. Here's all my tags. Please give me a like, share, and a subscribe. It helps. You guys saw what happened with this Rick Monday post. You shared it. You liked it. You subscribed to it. And immediately it went viral. Well, I would love for one of the videos to do the same. I guess those videos have to be really good then. So I don't know if that will happen. But you can at least try, share, and see what happens. I appreciate it. And it helps me keep the lights on. Please come down and see one of my spots here. Say hello on Instagram. Come over to my website if you wouldn't mind. www.donunfriendme.com. I would love to see you there. You can get my catalog, my podcast, my videos all right there. And you can come by and say something nice. Unlike these next people who aren't saying nice things at all. These are the dum-dums. They're a special kind of sucker. I love them. I love them because I like people to have, to have something to say. Now, good friend Mai on the site told me, today or yesterday listen it's good that i argue with you all the time because it makes you better well no that's not true that's completely what people say who argue with you all the time say in order to make themselves feel better for being argumentative that's not accurate yes it's important to bring a different perspective but not always you see commonality is important to create a relationship it can't all be negative because therefore we're not going to attract at all in fact we're just going to get sick of each other And in this is the case is that arguing about everything doesn't necessarily create productivity. Just like agreeing with everything doesn't as well. So I appreciate the dum-dums when they are conscientious of their stupidity, that they're pragmatic with their thinking, and that they're affluent in the way that they communicate and can talk and actually articulate themselves in something more than knuckle draggery. Highbrow is important in my dum-dums. And these few examples most assuredly are not. This is Matthew Eugene Broughton. He's probably English. I have a feeling because he's annoying the hell out of me. He says, maybe if we were honest about it, people wouldn't be so butthurt. But you acting like you don't even know that we go over and rape and pillage South American countries, literally rape and pillage. I'm not just using those words like we literally rape people. Army soldiers rape 
Why do you think Japan wants us out of Japan? My response to him was like, literally, dude, like, no way, man. Like, totally freaking incredible. Listen, I I don't even know where to begin. The level of stupidity in this comment eclipses my ability to actually even understand what the hell you're talking about. Just so you know, South America is nowhere near Japan, number one. I've been to both. I've served in both. And they're nowhere near each other. Two, army soldiers raping in South America. Did you watch a Jack Ryan movie? Did you watch Clear and Present Danger? Did you think it was Dean Chavez and was literally Harrison Ford going down into the jungle and doing drug operations and against the cartel? Did you think that was real? What are you referring to? What year? What time period? I served in Japan for three years. Japan, Japanese people loved us. I always got my own seat on the subway. They would sit and want to practice English. And yes, there's been some hiccups. And yes, there's been some jackass sailors out there or Marines. But overall, a very good relationship with Japan. The Japanese actually are quite fond of us. We do maritime work together. We serve on board each other's ships. We do war games together. They love the fact that Taiwan is still relatively safe against China, that Japan is thriving in the area, and that we ultimately protect them from Chinese takeover. I'm not sure what you're referring to. Let's get back to the rape, like literal rape. What's the difference between regular rape and literal rape? Are they reading a book while doing it or reading a book about rape while they're raping? I'm not sure I understand. Like literally rape? I didn't know there were different levels of rape. I just thought it was rape or do not rape. Matt, I don't understand what the hell you're talking about. You share my namesake, for God's sakes. Don 7. Dom 7. Oh, tell me this guy's a Fast and the Furious fan. Dom, you're not going to go back on your family, Dom. Dom 7. Fast and Furious 7 was a good movie. The rest of them were pretty good, too. But anything after that pretty much sucked. Anyway, Dom says, you don't even have health care. This guy is actually outed as Antifa. His profile is all about Antifa. He is fully 100% out of the closet when it comes to being an Antifa member. He hasn't responded to any of my posts. I'm a little confused. At first he did, and then he stopped. I don't know why. But he says, you don't even have health care. He's talking about the United States of America with a laughing face. And it's interesting because we're talking about the flag. We're talking about being patriotic. We're talking about the right to protest versus not protest. He's talking about like the colonization of the freaking different continents and oppression of America and all this other stuff. And there's this dialogue going on. And he brings up health care. I guess he lives in Greece. He's had some check-ins in London. But to bring up universal health care in this conversation is completely arbitrary. And I make that point. So I just simply said, that's true. But we also don't have a queen. Just figured I could also say that jumping jacks are great for cardiovascular work. Just as arbitrary as health insurance. He says, Greece has never had a queen. What the F are you talking about? He happens to sound like Keanu Reeves, Bill and Ted. Sorry. First of all, if you're going to make an argument and you want to disparage America, you probably shouldn't bring up Greece. You were literally bankrupted by the Olympics. Was it an invasion? Was it a foreign country? 
wasn't the war with Russia. It wasn't the CIA pulling out of Greece and stopped supporting you with Afghanistan. It wasn't your civil unrest. It wasn't your inability to go ahead and create free trade in your country. You had the Olympics and it bankrupts you. How stupid you have to be as a country. And I have Greek blood. My grandma Callias would be rolling over in a gray or my Yaya and Papu, if that you prefer. And no, I'm not going to sit here and rattle off any language because I don't and I am not Greek. Just have it in my blood. My great-grandparents were Greek. My mother's Greek. I am just a mutt. But at least I know what baklava is, and I understand what the ancient times of Greece were all about, and I understand that Zeus is a badass with thunderbolts coming out of his arse. That's culture, folks, if you didn't know. My comment back to him was, who said Greece has a queen? WTF are you talking about? You are bringing arbitrary points, so I followed suit. Fucking Antifa crybabies getting panties in a bunch or knickers in a twist, if you prefer. If there's some English blokes listening, sorry, not blokes. That's Australian. I'm an ignorant American. What do you want? Here's the X one. Tony Byron, burn, Tony Byron, Byrony, Tony Barney. I think he's English. I'm not sure. He won't reply to me. I've asked him several times to please respond. He made just, once again, another arbitrary comment. This guy said, obviously, you people haven't been to a lot of countries. And he says it, I'm guessing you haven't traveled much to somebody. Now, these aren't even directed at me. But I just said, I've been to 23 different countries. What's your point? And then he says, my point wasn't directed at you. Well, I know that. But I'm getting involved anyway because you're going to chastise this person for being an ignorant American. So since I've traveled to 23 countries, I guess I can talk on your level now. And I said, I understand that. I'm your huckleberry. I have been all over the world. What's your point? Later, he was trolling in another thread several times, and I came back and said, Tony, I'm waiting for your answer. Are you still really busy or what? And he goes, yes, I'm busy. But all he's doing is trolling. He doesn't want to have an argument. He just wants to do surface-level shots, snipe from afar, and then retreat because this is surface-level thinking. Then Matthew Eugene Broughton comes back in and says, I wasn't allowed to post my comment because it was hateful. At least you're self-aware. But clearly, none of these people have been outside the United States. So I reply to Matthew Botton Ford, Sally Jesse Raphael, whatever his name is, and I say, 23 countries, what's your point? And then I said to him, Matthew Eugene Broughton, what do you mean you were not allowed? Post that shit. You already have been posting ignorant shit all day, fucko. Folks, it's not to show you that all of a sudden I'm so clever. It's to show you the level of stupidity on the thread. Don't engage with these people. Let me do your light work. They don't want to engage. The ones that do will go ahead and make fun of the way you look or talk about your show. Just let it bounce off you. Once you ask questions, they don't have the answers. They don't know. They have literally been told this, but not explained why. They've been told all about the oppression of the United States on other countries and third world countries. Give me one example. Give me oppression from the United States that was on par with English oppression, and I will go ahead and give you a, uh, a quarter. 
I don't understand where people are coming from, but you can hate America, but at least know why you hate America. There are several things that you can hate about this country. Trust me. Maybe you should understand why before you just spew this nonsense or at least have some stones. I hope you see the show. I hope you guys do. And come on and actually answer my questions, especially the mad Greek. Fantastic. The English. Why do I dislike the English? It's not hate. It's not from a nationalist point of view. One of the main reasons is the damn language. You heard it in my joke. We'll begin with a box. And the plural is boxes. But the pearl of ox, plural of ox, became oxen, not oxes. One fowl is a goose, but two are called geese. Yet the plural of moose should never be meese. You may find a lone mouse or a nest full of mice, yet the plural of house is houses, not heists. If the plural of man is always called men, why shouldn't the plural of pan be called pen? If I spoke of my foot and show you my feet, and I give you a boot, would a pair be called beat? If one is a tooth and a whole set are teeth, why shouldn't the plural of booth be called beef? Then one may be that, and three would be those, yet hat in the plural would never be hose. And the plural of cat is cats, not coes. We speak of a brother and also of brethren, yet though we say mother, we never say metherin. Then the masculine pronouns are he, his, and him, but imagine the feminine she, shiz, and shim. English or Brits? What do we call them? Well, I happen to call them the Brits or the English or limeys. Because let's face it, these things are genuinely confusing. Let me run it down for you. See if you can follow me here. You may not live over there, so open up a map, put on some headphones, block out all distraction because you're going to need it. You have a country called the United Kingdom that doesn't have a king. Would it be the United Queendom? For some things, the two-letter country code for this country is UK. And for others, it is GB, which stands for Great Britain which is either the name of the largest island in the country or the name of the largest island and its offshore islands, but in no case the name of the whole country because there's a bit called Northern Ireland, which is on the island of Ireland, but not in the country of Ireland and is not part of Great Britain, but is a province of the nation referred to by the letters GB. Although the country of United Kingdom, abbreviated to UK or GB, has this one province, it does not have any any other provinces. Oh, no, the other parts of it are called countries. These countries are not sovereign, but one of them, Scotland, has its own legal system. The largest of these three countries makes up most of the population of the country of the UK. But unlike the other countries and the one province, it doesn't have any governing apparatus of its own. It is a country governed directly by the country it is in. And yes, we are told that England, which doesn't have a government, is a country but it contains within in it places such as the West Country and the Black Country, which are not countries at all. This country made up of three countries and a province is also a realm ruled by a queen who doesn't actually rule it and who is also queen of 15 other separate realms that she doesn't rule either. But now that you have learned that those realms are separate realms, you have to remember that the three countries in one province are not separate realms. They're just one realm. 
And then you've got man, which is the Isle of Man, and Jersey, which is the island of Jersey, and Guernsey, which is not only the island of Guernsey, and Jersey and Guernsey are both under the sovereignty of the Duke of Normandy, who is actually the same person as the Queen of the United Kingdom and isn't really the Duke of Normandy because dukes are men and she's a woman. And Normandy is in France, and France does not recognize her as the Duke of it. Confused? Are you starting to dislike the British too? Or the English? I understand. What makes them different from us? Well, there's a few things. You want to talk about national pride with the English or patriotism? I will tell you this. Most assuredly, English people are nationalists and Americans are patriotic. Why is there a difference? Well, I'll explain it to you because being an American often means you earned the privilege. Our nation is only a touch over 200 years old. It was built by immigrants from every part of the world. As such, Americans was something, American was something you became rather than something you were born into. And yes, we've all been born into it since then. But the lines of delineation are not that long. It was an achievement. And this is still true to today. That pride in being an American was passed down to the next generation. And it's still well and alive. Although dwindling. This is why we're huge flag wavers. This is why we get so upset when people burn the flag or kneel during protest. There is very little commonality from one American to another. The U.S. is the most diverse single nation in the world. We have large populations of nearly every culture in the world. On top of that, those cultures have cross-pollinated, creating people who celebrate and practice hybrids of their ancestral cultures. Plus, the things that are a bit more common to the U.S. as a whole, our national symbols are among the few things that tie us together as a whole. You don't have that in the U.K. Some British people can trace their family lineage back several centuries. Being British just is. There is no sense of having achieved a status. The U.K. as a whole has plenty to be proud of. So people of the U.K. have pride in their nation, but not so much pride in being a member of that nation. Now, let's get specific. Have I been to England, Britain? Yes. The UK, the GB? Absolutely. Is it laced with history? Yes. Does everyone live in a castle? No. Does everyone know the queen? No. Do they all have bad teeth? No. Do all they do is carry books in a knapsack and have a rugby football? No. There are some things that we think about the Brits that are stereotypes and not true, but these aren't some of them. British people are unfriendly. They're pompous. They're arrogant. They have a chip on their shoulder. They may tell you they don't care about certain things in America, but they do. And if they pretend, and if any English bloke, they keep calling y'all blokes, if any Englishman or English woman wants to come on and tell me, how dare you? You racist American, you nationalist, please. I've been there. I know how you feel about Americans. I've got pissed drunk with plenty of rugby players and British SAS. You guys dislike America as much as we dislike you sometimes. So don't even start. You are unfriendly. You don't like tourists. You don't like Americans in your country. Your TV is crap. There's two countries where the TV is the absolute worst. Japan, which is just funny. And England. I can't stand English humor. Benny Hill is probably the only thing I can stomach. Their nosh or their food, it's crap. It's complete crap. Fish and chips or fish and fries is what it should be called. Is fantastic. Everything else, meh. 
not enough salt, not enough flavor. It's all saturated fat and it's just bland. I don't like it. Another thing, you guys drive on the wrong side of the road. Why do you get to tell us how to drive? Who had the first automobile? Who had the first mass transit system? Then the end of the freaking story. I don't care if you've been around since God was a corporal. You drive on the wrong side of the road and the rest of Europe agrees with us. Roundabouts, they suck. Anybody who's been at a roundabout is the most confusing thing in the world. Accidents more often happen going five miles an hour than on the Autobahn going 120. Roundabouts. Weather. If you consider weather to be fog and rain, it's not weather. You can go to Seattle and literally get your entire experience on the cheap rather than flying across the ocean going to England. You want to know what the weather's like? Go to Washington. The Royals. Ugh. What an archaic system. Just because you had a few great leaders. Princess Diana, Winston Churchill, Margaret Thatcher were the only redeeming qualities of leadership that I remember. Everyone else is forgettable. We kicked your asses twice and you still tell us what to do. It's another thing. We literally fought a revolution so we would never have to listen to the English again. Yet here you are on my page. Ireland, Scotland, Hong Kong, India, just to name a few. Should I go on? Prima Nocta, the first night. Look it up. It's called soccer, not football. Football is with helmets and pads. I don't care that soccer is the number one sport in the world. I will never call it football. This is America. We got football. You got soccer. You don't like it? Don't care. You guys dislike us. We've already talked about this. Another one, coffee is better. Tea takes too damn long. Anything that has to steep for 10 minutes before order for it to be good isn't good. Anything that you have to put sugar in and put milk in and honey is not good. Coffee is fantastic. It's good black. That's the way I like it. Bitter and murky. Bring it on. With English people, when you guys get drunk, you should be fun, yet you're not. You're grumpy. You're pissy. You're angry. When are you ever happy? Drunk people should be great to hang out with. Another thing, you guys can't get a tan. I've seen a lot of English people come back from vacay, and you look like a tomato. If you maybe see the sun once in a while, do you think you have tanning booths in England? Do you think it might be possible to get it somewhere? You're suffering from vitamin D deficiency. You look like Edward from Twilight. You don't batter sausages and mushy peas. I don't give a crap. You don't need to make sausages better, and you don't need to go ahead and improve upon peas. They're good enough as they are. And just because you gave us Monty Python, Harry Potter, Def Leppard, and Sex Pistols, fish and fries, not chips, doesn't mean you get a pass. You gave us Meghan Markle and Downtown Abbey or Denton Abbey, and you owe us a lot for that. Piers Morgan's another one. I don't hate the English. I somewhat dislike the English at times. So now you know why. It really comes down to history. If you read about England and the oppression and the tyrannical rule and their time to actually try to take over the government, they're one of the only superpowers left that literally tried for world domination. The Germans aren't there. Genghis Khan, the Mongolians, the Persians, not really relevant anymore. The Romans, the Greeks, but the English are still in power. 
And America should never forget. Don't trust the English. Moving on to Afghanistan, South British and NATO combat forces are leaving Afghanistan this summer. The Taliban are growing stronger by the day while Al-Qaeda and Islamic State groups are conducting ever more brazen attacks. So how can they be contained now that the West will no longer have military resources in country? Western intelligence officials believe they still aspire to plot international terrorist attacks from their Afghan hideouts, just as Osama bin Laden did with 9-11. I spoke to a lot of intelligence officials, and they all fear the same thing. Friends of mine who are still in the intel community tell me that they are concerned with pulling out of Afghanistan because the apparatus that we have in place has really quashed their ability to create terrorism in Europe and the United States. It is a problem that is starting to vex UK policy chiefs as the deadline of 11 September for US President Joe Biden's withdrawal draws closer as the British Chief of Defense Staff General Sir Nick Carter, it's another thing, Sir, General Sir Nick Carter, at your duty, Sir, and the way you salute, seriously, come on. This was not the outcome we had hoped for. Sorry, this is like an intel briefing. I better get serious. There is now a serious risk that the gains made in counterterrorism over the last 20 years at enormous cost could be undone as, as Afghanistan's future takes an uncertain turn. The problem, says John Rain, a regional security expert at the International Institute for Strategic Studies, studies the IISS, is the situation's potential for morphing at a speed and into something with which the Afghan government, even remotely reinforced by the U.S., can't keep up. End quote. Yet this, for President Biden, was always the plan. And I've always held him in high regard for this. When he visited the country as vice president in the Obama administration in 2009 and 2011, he concluded that the nation building there was a waste of time. And instead, the U.S. should focus on a standoff approach to counterterrorism using airstrikes and special forces raids. I happen to agree with him. The Pentagon disagreed. Of course they did. And the former U.S. Defense Secretary Robert Gates described Mr. Biden in his memoir as being wrong on nearly every major foreign policy and national security issue over the past four decades. And that's true. But there is a way to go ahead and create this separation between full-scale, not invasion, but having troops on the ground to utilizing intelligence, utilizing special forces to quash these rise-ups as they start. So what will Western counterterrorism in Afghanistan look like in practice after September? I don't believe Joe Biden's plan of only doing drone strikes is going to work. It has to be a mixture of these following things. Drone strikes most assuredly will help. These could well increase the use of drones or to give them their full name, remotely piloted aircraft, RPAs, or unmanned aerial vehicles, UAVs, was heavily endorsed by the Obama administration in which Joe Biden served as vice president in the remote tribal areas of Pakistan, including killing Americans too, but we don't need to go into that. Bordering Afghanistan in the wild regions of Yemen, where in both cases, senior al-Qaeda leaders were hiding out. Successive drone strikes had a chilling effect on the group's operations, according to intelligence officers. They forced commanders to stay constantly on the move, never staying more than a night or two in one place, restricting their ability to communicate and never quite knowing whether the departure of a visitor would be followed by a hellfire missile fired by an unseen enemy. They're extremely effective. However... Drone strikes are controversial. They can be risky, not for the operator, of course, who tends to be sitting in an air-conditioned shipping container thousands of miles on an airbase in Nevada or Lincolnshire, but for civilians in the area, despite the remarkable detail visible 
on the operator's console, there is always a risk of collateral damage of a last-minute arrival of civilians on the scene, as has happened in Iraq and Syria more than once, and the Americans had the is executioner Mohammed El-Maz, a.k.a. Jihadi John, in their sights, only to have to abort the strike when civilians were spotted in close proximity. In Yemen, drone strikes are deeply unpopular with human rights activists who claim harmless tribal gatherings have frequently been mistaken for armed insurgents. Yet across the Red Sea in Djibouti, the foreign minister there said he welcomed their use against neighboring Somalia's al-Shabaab militants. And he was prepared to say them and say that on camera. Intelligence networks over the last 20 years, the CIA, MI6, and other intelligence agencies have built up a close working relationship with Afghanistan's own NDS agency, helping it to identify and head off threats, while also trying to restrain some individuals' more brutal methods. We will still be able to give meaningful help to the NDS, said a Western security official this week. It's just that our operating model will have to adapt. It is a fair assumption that the Taliban will eventually form a part of a future Afghan government. So would the West ever be prepared to share intelligence with them after all these years of fighting them? That, said the official, would be the very hard to imagine. The EPA. The key question is whether the Taliban actually meant it when they told peace negotiators in Doha that they had severed their ties to al-Qaeda. Those ties in some cases are historic, marital, and tribal predating the 9-11 attacks by several years, the Taliban are savvy enough to know that if they are going to become a part of a future Afghan government that enjoys international recognition, then they cannot be seen to be in the same camp as proscribed terror groups. Yet Gavin McNoll, the director of the UK think tank Eden Intelligence, believes it would be naive to trust them. What you think? The U.S. administration, he says, seems to be living in an impossible dream world that the Taliban have cut their ties to al-Qaeda and IS, and will not allow them to return. They are not. They will not, and can never be taken for their word. One of the most effective things that could actually work is special forces raids, and using special forces as they are designed. They are not a standing force. They are for quick strike recon, and also to take assets and targets out of the field of play. The night raids conducted by small teams of the SBS or U.S. Special Forces acting on intelligence gathered firsthand on the ground took a huge toll on insurgent commanders and their networks, often arriving by helicopter some way off in the dead of night and then patrolling on foot. These capture or kill teams worked in close partisanship with Afghan Special Forces, preventing numerous attacks. But after September, these raids, if they continue at all, will mostly have to be launched or at least planned from outside the country. The risk of time delay and advance warning being leaked to others will inevitably be greater. And the task of finding new locations to launch them from is not something that can be fixed overnight. The finding of new bases, the secret classified base in eastern Afghanistan that U.S. Special Forces have been using as a springboard for operations against HVTs, high-value targets, is being closed down. This will be good news for al-Qaeda and IS, who will now have less to fear from the unexpected arrival of several very large and heavily armed Americans in the middle of the night. So where in the region could now provide a suitable alternative? Pakistan is most obvious candidate geographically, but there is a profound suspicion in the West that Pakistan's secret inner services intelligence, the ISI, has elements with links to violent Islamist groups. When the CIA launched Operation Neptune Spear to kill or capture Osama bin Laden in May 2011, the U.S. chose not to inform Pakistan as the teams of the Navy SEALs flew by stealth helicopter into Pakistani airspace. They feared someone would 
give bin Laden the tip-off to escape. Instead, Oman is likely substitute for this choice. With its stable pro-Western government, the Sultanate already hosts major bases used by Britain and more recently at Dequem on the Indian Ocean coast. It is still 1,000 miles away from the Afghan border, and any troop-carrying aircraft would still need to overfly Pakistan airspace. Bahrain is another possibility where the UK already has a small naval base, HMS Jufar. And the U.S. Navy Fifth Fleet has a very big one. Then there is always Central Asia, which borders Afghanistan to the north. In the immediate years following 9-11, the U.S. military used an old Soviet base in southeastern Uzbekistan called Karshi Kanabad, or K-2. But it pulled out in 2005 after relations between the two countries worsened and returning even with an invitation would be controversial since the base was reported to be heavily contaminated with chemicals and radioactive material. Isn't that everywhere in Russia? Is the Taliban preparing for peace or war? The bold fact is that containing both al-Qaeda and IS in the wilder parts of Afghanistan is about to get a whole lot harder. There is no easy substitute for having the resources on the ground and being able to summon them up at very short notice. Much will now depend on the willingness and effectiveness of ongoing Afghan governments to confront these prescribed transitional terror groups. John Rain, who previously worked at a senior level in the British government, paints a pessimistic picture of where things are going. Given not only the quantum of extremism in Afghanistan, but also the strategic advantage which external players will see in having terrorist capabilities there. There could be a return to near greenhouse conditions for the next generation of counterterrorism threats. And this goes on and on as it always will be. But something we need to understand is Russia literally went bankrupt trying to go ahead and do the same thing that we've been doing for the last 20 some odd years. We don't belong in Afghanistan. Yes, it is a hotbed. But this isn't 2011. This isn't 2001. Hell, it's not even 1990. Our intelligence apparatus is not singular focused on Russia anymore. It is not as outdated as it used to be. Our electronic intelligence is robust if we don't lean on it just a little too much. Human intelligence in these areas will remain. We will have operatives in Afghanistan. We always will have operatives in Afghanistan. The question is, is once we have the intelligence we need, can we expeditiously, quickly, effectively hunt, capture, or kill the targets we are striving to hit? And the answer is probably not. Drones are effective for large-scale swathing attacks, but the micro-attacks, the strategic grabs and snatches that need to take place will still have to be done by men. And that will become much more difficult with the distance that's been put between the Afghan border, and the areas in where they are hiding. There is no easy solution. Both answers suck. If you have American boots on the ground, we want them to come home. If we take them home, more American lives could be lost, or we might just find ourselves having to go in again. It's a risk I'm willing to take. We can't stay there forever. We have fought too many wars for other countries. It's time to come home. It's time to bring our people home. It's Red Friday. Remember, everyone deployed. September 11th can't get here soon enough. Folks, that's it for my show tonight. I appreciate you stopping by. You can like me. You can hate me. You can agree. You can disagree. All I ask is that you don't unfriend me. Or if you do, at least leave a nice message on Facebook so I can say something nice about you before you depart. Remember, this isn't an airport, folks. You don't need to announce your departure. Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255. Press 1. 22 veterans commit suicide a day. It's way too many. Please reach out to a vet. If you don't know how to do that, call me. I will help you do that. 
And if all of that doesn't work, you can visit don'tunfriendme.com, click on the VCL link, you'll be connected to a VCL operator, and they will get you the help you need. If you are a civilian, you can also call this number and they will also get you the help you need. People, please like, share, subscribe right here for me on YouTube. Give me a like and follow. Thank you so much for everything you did. Have a good weekend. Be kind to each other. Stop arguing so much. Stay off the Rick Monday post. It's too much. There's too much drama. And remember, if you're from England, there are plenty of great things about England. And no, I will not hold the American Revolution and the tyrannical oppression and rule that the England subverted us to for a long, long time, at least for another hundred years or so. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend.